You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. So this week's Parsha has to do with the encampment of the Jewish people going through the Sinai Desert. And as I try to do whenever I look at a Parsha, I look at different things that strike my curiosity as to why is it that things are the way they're presented. In other words, there are many different ways to construct something, be it a sentence, be it a paragraph, be it a story, or in this case, be it the construction of the encampment. And so we have something that happens at the beginning of the Parsha that the Jews, the 12 tribes that is, are redivided into four groupings, what we call the Degalim. And one might, as I wrote in my article, which is coming out soon, um, as I wrote there, this is not necessarily the obvious thing. We take it as obvious because we know the end of the story. And many things that we do, when we know the end of the story, a lot of things become taken for granted. But that's not a good way to read the Parsha or really anything that one wants to dissect and analyze. In any case, what I wanted to understand is why are there these four groups on four uh, directions of the square that's created by the four camps? Now, that may seem like an esoteric question. It may seem like a question that the Rambam would answer well, if it weren't four, if it were six, you would ask the same question. So ask the Rambam into the, in the guide to the perplexed about asking too many questions about details. Nevertheless, I think that it's not coincidental that there are four sides, and it's not that it could have been six nor it could have been eight. And I think there is a lot of similarities in other places, and I write about that in the Devar Torah, in this week's Parsha article, Redeeming Relevance on the Parsha, about uh, other examples of uh, rectangles in the Torah. In any event, so once I came up with this question of why a rectangle, essentially, um, I went back and did a little anthropological study. What about other cultures? Do other cultures see the centrality of four cardinal directions, as they're called, being uh, due north, due south, due west, and due east. Why not say there are six directions? In fact, all we have to do is, is redivide our circle or our square, and we could come up with six directions. Certainly, we could subdivide the four directions into eight directions and so on and so forth. But what I found out when I did a little bit of research, is that, in fact, almost all cultures uh, end up having this idea, this concept of four directions. And really, uh, the history of it is, is apparently rooted in math and science. Now, these are fields that I uh, am less comfortable with than I am with other fields that I sometimes interject into the Dvar Torah, such as literature and philosophy. Uh, Nonetheless, I always feel it's important to have the proper background to be able to deliver something that is true and that is presenting 
sufficient background to discuss a topic. I mean, there are some people, not just rabbis, there are many people that feel free to discuss things that they have the faintest idea of what they're talking about. I think that's problematic, and especially in a Dvar Torah, we present the Torah of truth. In any event, this week, besides my references to some Jewish philosophers, uh, one of which I've mentioned before, Emmanuel Levinas, which I have some familiar, familiar, familiarity with, as well as Martin Buber, who's fairly uh, well-known, the idea that I uh, mentioned over there, the famous idea of I and thou. Uh, but more importantly, more important to this week's topic was some understanding about the four cardinal directions. So going back to what I've mentioned before, first looking uh, anthropologically to see whether this is pretty much universal. And uh, apparently it pretty much is. Um, the exception is in Eastern cultures, at least ancient Eastern cultures, that added a fifth uh, dimension, fifth direction actually, uh, and that being uh, the center center being thought of as a direction as well. Uh, be that as it may, ultimately that doesn't really affect the idea of the axis that's that's created by the four points around the uh, the square or the circle, the rectangle, what have you, um, that are equally um, spaced one from the other, right? each at 180 degrees. So there was some need for a little bit of understanding of uh, math, and I understood from the little research that I did that today we could think of directions really as two ultimate directions, uh, longitude and latitude, and we could think of it as uh, positive and negative, but ultimately it ends up being the same thing. I also learned in science that some of this directionality uh, is rooted in the movement of the sun and so on and so forth, and that the axis of uh, long, uh, longitude and latitude, which are ultimately the four cardinal directions, are rooted in the need to divide up land. So there's a commercial aspect here also, which is ultimately anthropological. So why am I telling you all of this? Uh, what I'm telling you is that in order to create a Dvar Torah that is rooted in an understanding of the background, one must do some research. If one has the background already, again, be it in whatever philosophy, whatever, uh, whatever uh, uh, topic it may be, then that's fine. But if you don't have the background, then either you have to find a way around it or don't mention it. Uh, this is similar to what I had to do a couple weeks ago when I read, I was writing about Rabbi Hirsch's understanding of the pagan world's view of death and the dead body. And he makes a claim over there uh, that death uh, is central to paganism. So I didn't want to take it as face value, and therefore I had to do some research there, again, into uh, anthropology and history uh, of 
ancient cultures, of uh, pagan cultures, and, and specifically focusing on ancient Egypt. So all of this is what goes into making a Dvar Torah uh, if you're going to try to broaden out and try to understand concepts uh, in their full perspective, in their full context. So what did that all that lead us to this week? Well, you can read about it. It says it's coming out soon in the Jewish press. Uh, those of you on my reader list will get into your email box on Wednesday. In any case, not to spoil it, but simply to give you a little taste of the result. Ultimately, the conclusion I came to about these directions, uh, north, south, east, west, is that there are four people, uh, essentially, will, will, uh, it's not always speaking about people, but we'll simplify it to the case of four people. Obviously, we're talking about Digalim, which are many, many people in the Parsha. But let's speak about it for, as four people, again, to simplify the idea. You'll read about it in more detail later. The idea is that there are two people looking straight across at each other. And that relationship is a one-dimensional relationship. It's a straight line. Um, it's lacking in any sort of depth or what I understand as reality. The line that is crisscrossed right down the middle at a center point by another such relationship that is also one-dimensional ultimately creates something completely different at the center. Uh, granted, the center is ultimately a point, but that point is going instead of two directions in four directions, which create, even if there's only four people, all the more so if there's uh, uh, more than just a, a person at the end, or a, a rather a larger line, uh, creates a situation where now instead of a line you have a square you have a second dimension my understanding is the mishkan at the center of all this is what i call uh, not just reality but kedusha holiness the holiness is created when there's an awareness of the relationship of others that is similar to the relationship you have with the ones you are committed to Similar, but ultimately completely different, whereas yours is north-south, the other one is east-west, and that relationship meets the center in awareness, and that awareness, I'm suggesting, is the point of Kiddushah, of holiness, of reality, and therefore we have the Mishkan in the center. As I said, take a look at what I have to say in writing. Now you have the background. Now you Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.